welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Monday edition of the show, and therefore we are back to Buccaneers football. Of course, they are just coming off of a bye week, but they are back again to play this week. They will be on the road on Sunday facing against the Cleveland Browns. So we're going to talk a, a little bit about some of the additions to practice today. The Bucks had a, a light practice where they had some players return. And of course, we're going to get into the position grades of this Bucks roster. Every single position from quarterback all the way to kicker. Uh, I know it's a little bit more than midseason, but... Since they had a bye this week, and we'll have a lot more of uh, the Bucks browns matchup coming up on, on Wednesday's show, uh, we're just going to take a look at the Bucks with a 5-5 five and five record at the top of the NFC South at the moment. I'm your host, Matt Matera. I am riding a solo dolo right now for this show and potentially could be for the whole show. So I appreciate everyone that is watching and listening today. We might have... One of our favorite members of PewterReport.com, Casey Hudson, joining us uh, a little bit later. But, of course, uh, Casey is extremely busy. Just got back from uh, Europe. She was at the Bucks uh, seahawks game in Germany when that game went on uh, a couple of weeks ago, two weeks now uh, at this point. So uh, if she's able to come on and join us, we'll, we'll get her experience being over there. And um, in the meantime, we're going to get into everything from the Bucks roster uh, grades today. Nathan in the chat says, hi, Matt. Hello, Nathan. Appreciate you guys uh, watching and listening to today's show. Nathan was in Munich as well. So, Nathan, if you want to share your experience, we'll put that comment up on the uh, on the program here. And even though the Bucks had a buy, even though it's just me on the show right now, we're still going to do roll call at 420, ladies and gentlemen. Let us know where you are watching from because we have fans all over the place uh, from the U.S. to international as well. International sports are big in the streets right now. The FIFA World Cup uh, Team USA just played. Unfortunately, they had a tie against Wales. Team USA was up one nothing, and then uh, got a penalty late in the game that allowed Wales to kick a uh, penalty kick and uh, tie the game up at 1-1. So a little frustrating at the end there, but we're here to talk about a different football, of course, uh, American football, the better football, and uh, we're going to get into all of that. Um, before we do, of course, want to remind everyone that the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast is Celsius Energy Drinks. We love Celsius for a number of different reasons, starting with all of the different flavors that they have. You got the Arctic, Tropical, and Peach vibe. The vibes are always very high on this show. Seven essential vitamins to get you through your day. That essential energy to let you crush whatever it is you're doing, whether it's a long drive, a solo podcast, maybe you're working out, whatever it is, make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks, the healthy version of an energy drink. Go to the store locator on Celsius.com. Find out where you can get a Celsius near you, your local Walmart, Target, or Bodega, as I like to say. And then once you try it and you know you love it, go to Amazon. Start buying them in bulk with the subscribe and save. You can have it sent to your house every two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. 
and um, just enjoy Celsius. That's all we ask. The presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Hashtag Celsius live fit. Hashtag Celsius energy. All right. Before we get into the grades here, uh, let's go over just some housekeeping news with uh, with the Bucks today. They had a light practice. We can kind of talk about what went on around the league this Sunday. Because even though the Bucs didn't play, there's still a lot of important things that were worth watching for Tampa Bay. Most notably, of course, the division. The Bucs are uh, in first place in the division with the 5-5 five and five record. Essentially a two-game lead because they do have the advantage over the Atlanta Falcons at the moment. That was a very entertaining game that the Falcons had. They played against the Chicago Bears. Everyone wants to talk about Justin Fields. Oh, Justin Fields does this. Justin Fields did that. Justin Fields is great. He's a very entertaining player to watch right now. He's obviously is mobile, can run everywhere. Starting to get together with his arm now, but they lose every single game late. So I understand the hype of Justin Fields, but I don't know. Get a win, you know? So that's unfortunate to see because the Bears kept it so close, but just could not uh, win it at the end. So Bucks would have really liked to see a uh, a win for Chicago over Atlanta in that one. The other NFC South game, I don't care how good or bad the team is, Bucks fans hate the Saints, so they always want to see the Saints lose no matter what their record is. Uh, but the Saints got back on winning track. They defeated the... I was about to say the St. Louis, but it's the Los Angeles Rams. Um, They ran away with that one. I mean, the Rams, it's crazy to think that they were the Super Bowl champs a season ago because it's just not, um, it's just not pretty. And obviously they lost a lot of players. Odell Beckham, their starting left tackle who retired, who's now on Andrew Whitworth. He's now on the Thursday night football crew. So that just, it changes everything, but it's so crazy just seeing how different that they are. Nathan, talking about his trip to Germany, where would you like for me to start? Meeting Gene Deckerhoff at the Bucks Beer Hall, trading stories with Mike Allstott, having a chit-chat with Rondé Barber. Nathan, that sounds like an awesome, awesome trip. A bunch of Bucks legends right there. I mean, Gene Deckerhoff, who doesn't love when he goes, touchdown, Tampa Bay? That's one of the best things. Mike Allstott, every time he gets the ball, the A-train, Allstott, up the gut, everyone loves that. So, uh, Really, really good there. Shout out uh, all talk all the time. They lost Kyle Pitts for the year. Big loss for Falcons helps Bucks game planning wise. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Pitts, of course, is uh, an extremely talented tight end. I saw the hit when he, he got hit in the knee after making the catch, and it it was a scary situation. I mean, he popped up like not long after and was able to run off the field and I know there was the reports today about his injury and what went on there. I didn't see the final diagnosis, but all talk all the time is saying uh, out for the year. Honestly, the hit reminded me a lot of the Chris Godwin hit. You know, Um, it was one of those throws over the middle, makes the catch immediately, and the defender is right there and just wham, goes right into his knee. So that was definitely uh, really scary for that. And obviously, we all want the Bucks to win the division, but uh, wishing a speedy recovery for uh, for Kyle Pitts because that was a, a really tough situation to see. Let's get into what we saw at practice today. So the Bucks did practice for a little bit. 
Um, there was some media availability, but not not with Todd Bowles, not with um, not with the head honcho that runs the team there. I know Casey Rogers, one of the co-defensive coordinators, did speak. So um, there was a little info there. But really, the two big highlights in terms of players at practice, there were two returns, which is one is a good sign. The other... I know Bucks fans won't be happy that he's back. Actually, I think it's his birthday today or his birthday was recently, but uh, Luke Edeke returned to practice today. He's obviously missed the past couple of weeks, and we'll see if he practices uh, the rest of the week when the Bucks return to practice on Wednesday, which will obviously be a pretty big deal. The other returning player, of course, was uh, Russell Gage, you know, so uh, Russell Gage, again, a player. I was I was just on the Ronnie T. Crash show a little while ago, and you know I I was talking about the players returning and Russell Gage, what he can provide to this team. And I was saying that, and I understand it's it's months ago now, but Russell Gage was one of the most electrifying players when the Bucks had training camp, and. Uh, you know, just watching him do his thing day in and day out. He was so exciting to watch. And then he got that hamstring injury and it kind of hurt him for the rest of the preseason and the regular season. You know, he just never looked a hundred percent. He hasn't really been a factor in the offense too much outside of the game against the Packers. And again, at this point, was it a huge game by Russell Gage or was it the fact that you know, you didn't have Mike Evans because he was suspended. You didn't have Chris Godwin and you didn't have Julio Jones. I still think Russell Gage can do something, you know, for this team. Obviously, um, a football fan here says, I forgot about Russell Gage. Yeah, you know, he was out for a couple of weeks. So I totally understand that notion. But the biggest thing I want to see improve for Russell Gage is just the fact that when he makes catches, they're all for short gains. I want to see the explosive plays. Like this guy is a fast player. You know, he was known for his speed coming out of LSU. So I just want to see the plays down the field. Now, hopefully with the Bucks, you know, improving in the run game, Rashad White in the Germany game, 22 rushes for 105 yards. They finally got the ground game going. And I'm not saying it has to be 50-50 by any means, but it at least let the Bucs move the ball down the field. So uh, good sign that Russell Gage was back. Luke Gedeke, we'll see if Nick Leverett, if that's his starting job, as all talk all the time says, Nick Leverett got to stay in the starting lineup. I could not agree with you more all talk all the time because, I mean, the guy played well against Aaron Donald. He's physical. He brings an adrenaline rush to this team. You know, he's the defensive version of Nacho. As I like to say, well, I didn't come up with it. I think Scott Reynolds probably said it first. I'm not totally sure on that. But, you know, when he's in the game, it just, we saw all the struggles with Luke Gedeke. I just don't see a world where the Bucks coaching staff can justify having Nick Leverett in the game over Nick Leverett. And the last time we spoke to Byron Leftwich, I believe it was Scott Reynolds who specifically asked him, Hey, has Nick Leverett played well enough to earn the starting job? How would you assess his play? Is he still going to be the starter once uh, Lugetiki comes back, even when they're both healthy? And he just said, we'll see. The Bucs did not commit to Leverett remaining as the starting left guard, but I think he absolutely should. I just, I don't see how or why 
that, you know, that he should be the starting left guard when Nick Leverett's done such a good job in that role. The other bit of news that came out for the Bucks today is Tampa Bay, as Nathan says here, Nick Leverett shut Aaron Donald down. Remember, the sack that Aaron Donald got, he was going up against Donovan Smith on that play. So it wasn't even, you know, something along the lines of, oh, he missed his block with Indomitian Sue. It was completely just a good job by Nick Leverett. And unfortunately, Donovan Smith lost that rep, which, you know, happens from time to time. Aaron Donald's the best defensive tackle in the game. And ladies and gentlemen, I had mentioned this earlier, making her return Back to the Pewter Report podcast, back from Germany and France and England, I think a number of different places. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Casey Hudson. Casey, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're extremely busy. You have podcasts left and right on the the Lightning. I imagine you'll be at the Lightning game tonight when they take on uh, the Boston Bruins. So how are you doing, Casey? Have you caught up on your sleep yet? Oh my gosh, I'm so unwell. It's not even funny, but it is at this point because people warn you about uh, trying to get your life together after coming back from that time change and it's just doesn't exist. So it was so worth it seeing so many Bucks fans in Munich and um, a wide range of NFL fans that weren't even from the States was one of the coolest parts. Um, a lot of interesting adventures. I'm an extremely directionally challenged human being and I still thought for some reason I was going to go to a different country and read signs better. So the adventure of taking the train to different countries was one for the books. I almost lost limbs, but it was really exciting. Still catching up on some sleep. And yes, I have Tampa Bay lightning tonight, but I'm excited because they're going up against the Bruins who are leading the division right now. So they'll keep me awake and then yeah, tomorrow I'll sleep in. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad eventually you'll, you'll get that point. sleep in because we all need it. I, I can't function if I don't get oh. my sleep and that's when I turn to, you know, Celsius, which I did uh, a show the other day and I couldn't call myself the right name. I was like, what's up guys? I'm Kaylee. And I'm like, no, I'm not. That's Kaylee. Yeah. It's so tough when your just... co-host has like a, a similar name. Uh, oh as well, man. Which is couldn't funny. get it together. Could not. Casey, I know you're really busy. So we appreciate your time and the <laughs> limited amount of time that we have with you. Um, obviously we're going to turn our attention in a little bit to, Bucks versus Browns. This show obviously is about the, the the grades at each position that we're giving to everyone. But if we're gonna put, uh, you know, if we're gonna close the chapter on the Germany game, you were there for it, Bucks versus Seahawks. Can you just yep. talk about the the atmosphere that it was being at that game? You mentioned that there's fans from all over. I know they they wear different jerseys, just oh, whatever whatever jersey they have in their wardrobe, they wear to a football <laughs> game. But just your experience being there live in person, as Mark. Uh, mentions that they sang country roads and it sounds sounded insane <laughs> you don't want to hear me sing right. that Mark. i will spare you at this moment i haven't taken my voice teen yet today <clears throat> uh maybe I'll, maybe i'll sing it on my way out yeah so the first thing that i will say um is that i was supposed to be in munich almost two and a half days before i got to munich That's if you right. guys know anything about the annoyance of living in florida it's the fact that one extra ounce of rain can change your entire life, including canceling your flights uh, to go to an entire different country. Uh, good talk, Nathan. So I ended up landing in Munich the morning of the game. Thank God oh it goodness. was a 330 game. Um, got there running like crazy, passing by the arena really quick to run to the hotel and get ready and stuff. And then we wanted to run past some of the bars to get fan reactions. The cool part is that if anybody follows Premier League uh, football or soccer, whatever you prefer to call it, you typically know in other countries they'll put 
the banners or the flag of the team over the bars that are supporting predominantly that team. So you have the Bucks bar, you have the Seahawks bar. So that was really cool to see them incorporate that in Munich. But then when it comes to all of the different jerseys and stuff that you saw, I'm talking about Ten, like thousands of dollars of a, of an iconic jersey as what these is what everyone had. It wasn't just some random jersey. They had iconic jerseys on. I'm thinking oh, wow. to myself, at what point did you order this jersey? Who did you beat up for it? I thought this was sold out 15 years ago. It was really cool to see all the different kinds of jerseys of Hall of Famers um, and so on and so forth. So that was a cool thing. Something else. And I chatted with JP Peterson and his producer slash co-host Nick, I think a day or two after the game last week. And they were asking why the fan base was so different there versus here in the States, because fans got there an hour and a half early sitting in, in like full, the, the arena was completely packed out an hour and a half before the game even started. And fans were there an hour, an hour to almost two hours after the game wrapped up. It's because they shut down everything except for the bars and the pubs in Munich. So the wow. only thing fans can focus on the, anything anybody can focus on in, in Munich is the game and being present. So I feel like they just have an entirely different fan base in terms of everyone being present because that's the only thing really happening in town that day. You can't go shopping with your friends. You have to go to a pub and watch the game, go to a restaurant and watch the game. Either way, you're watching sport, as everybody says there, because then we're right. like, well, what do you guys watch when you're not watching soccer or the NFL? And they're like, whoa, sport. Whatever sport's on, they're watching. <laughs> so they're just actually just massive sports fans through and through. And I felt so connected to them because people think I'm crazy for the amount of sports that I follow. Um, I know I've gotten some messages from people like, okay, now you watch the World Cup. It's not a now thing, guys. As a military brat, you, you're you fully invested in all things sports. Whatever sport is in season when you move to a different city, state, or country, you're forced to play it so that you can make friends and, you know, get acquainted with the area that you're going to be in for three to six months. So that felt really cool to me to connect with people on that level of just whatever sports on, we're going to get into it and we're going to love it and be excited about it. So met a lot of really cool fans. Um, it was cool to see that the focus is always whatever sport is playing and everybody is very into it. They do sing a lot of country road. And I found out if you guys have ever seen the movie Kingsman, a lot of, because of the agriculture over in Europe, the country road song has really resonated with them. So Scotland and, and Wales and areas like mm. that, that song has been popular for them for a while. So I don't know who started the singing, um, but I'm guessing that it kind of derived from that. And then the last thing I will say is that I love the soccer culture that came to the arena of if one guy makes up a weird line or a funny line, everybody starts singing it and it turns into an actual song. So Tom Brady just got five new songs I don't know if he's heard them yet, but he should, <laughs> he should catch it on the record and, and maybe get that produced. It could be a loop for a TikTok. It would go viral. <laughs> they came up with some really cool songs in the arena for Brady and company. Um, even Julio Jones. I was surprised to see people go nuts for Julio Jones, who's been in and out of the situation for weeks now. Um, but fans from England, Julio Jones, you got a fan base in England, bud. So great, great experience. There's been nothing like it here in the States for as many football games as I've seen. And um, I'm really excited to see the next time I get to go over there and catch the Bucks, or maybe even have a, another different team. Who knows? Yeah, that's great that you, you had such a fun time. It really did seem like such a cool experience. Like I know from soccer fans, they have all the different chants and, and mm -hmm. things like that. So it's cool to see them in a short amount of time, translate that to 
Bucks players. So Tom effortlessly. Brady. I mean, that's so why Julio Jones played so well. You know? Probably. <laughs> he had a couple theme songs. He was like, all right, now, yeah. now I can, now I can do this. Now I can keep my knees intact because it was just, it came so quickly. I mean, one minute you're having a conversation with someone and the next minute it's like, I wish I remembered some of the songs or maybe I'm too embarrassed to sing them, but um, like Leonard Fournette <laughs> got a chant, but it okay. started with, it started as like Forney Fournette something down the field and I was just like well okay like I'm chanting every other word there but yeah <laughs> I love that they at least brought that from soccer into the NFL and it was really cool and funny it's all that, about the humor too right yeah and our intern Adam if you did not know uh, he took four years of German when he was in school so I was like all right give me some German words like something he like <laughs> and he said the word for playmaker is Spielmacher. So I was like, oh, oh. Rashad White, he's been a real Spielmacher, Spielmacher. In, in today's <laughs> game, you know, leading the way, which was uh, really awesome. And the cool thing about the Bucs playing internationally is that uh, they've grown a lot of international fans, and that happens with, with Tom Brady uh -huh. as well. And there's a lot of great international Pewter Report fans as well. So we're about to do some roll call. Roll call. Tell us where <laughs> you are at, Pewter People. Tell us where you are watching from. In the meantime, Casey, as you just said, you were at the game. Um, but for a bigger picture for the Bucs, just how they played as of late, have they turned the corner? Just give us your thoughts about um, how the Bucs have played lately, if uh, things are going to change when they go and play the Browns this week. And uh, I will put everyone's location up on the screen as you um, talk about Riddle. everyone's favorite team. <laughs> Riddle me the that. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Well, for starters, I definitely think that they are at that turning point. And I know for anybody who follows um, any of my <laughs> Bucks talk, you guys know that I'm the ultimate optimist for this team. But in all reality, I think the big turning point was the Rams game. It was an ugly win, but a win nonetheless. The thing that stood out to me the most is that that's the most emotion I felt like we've seen out of this team all season. I think that the distractions uh, surrounding this team played a bigger role than anybody will ever admit. And they played very lifeless the beginning half of this season. So the Rams game, I think, helped bring everybody back to their bodies, break those individual mentalities that they were struggling with, kind of get back into that team rhythm. And I was surprised to see them carry that versus the Seahawks. If you guys watch our, or read our pewter predictions every single week, you'll see that, yeah, I had the Bucks winning versus the Seahawks, but I was terrified if that would actually come true because the Seahawks were a high-scoring team. They went in with, I think, 240 points scored, but 210 points allowed. So they didn't really have a strong defense. That's something that I was banking on the Bucks exploiting, and that takes game planning to actually execute with a plan like that. Cause they could have easily gotten outscored by the Seahawks seeing as how they barely found the end zone more than once majority of this season. And you're counting on certain guys to show up and, and do better, but injuries have been so hit and miss because I feel like they've rushed guys back or maybe the players have rushed back their progress, but to see the team be able to find the end zone three times versus a high scoring Seahawks team was a bright spot for me. Um, something that I definitely think they can build off of. I think that, 
that was the most synergistic performance the Bucs have had. A lot of games we watch, we see the Bucs defense entirely carry the team or the Bucs offense just kind of pinch through. I think this was kind of a balanced attack on both sides of the ball. Or if you want to talk all three units from special teams uh, to offense to defense, everybody kind of did their part. And this is probably the most important time of the year for them to do that. They can manage the Browns as long as they don't go in there and shoot themselves in the foot with penalties and bad play calling and reverting to disgusting habits. 49ers and maybe the Cardinals are my biggest concern from here on out for the rest of the season. So I think they're in a good place. Uh, and I also want to take note of the fact that them beating the Rams coming off of that extended break after the Ravens game, I think that helped bring them back as a team. I hope that I th think that extra time not only helped with the injuries, but helped with that mental battle that they've all kind of been having. So now bonding a bit better, now bringing passion and emotion back into the game. Um, that big travel had to help that big win had to stack on top of that as well. I think it's going to help put them in a prime position to win at least what do they have seven games left five out of the next seven games that they have yeah it is yeah it's seven games so that, i know it's only one extra game but the one extra game like still throws me off because he should be like, no, like they'll be 10 and six <laughs> or nine and seven and it's like it's literally just one more game i have to count like, it over and over again because yeah I, it's just yeah it's still something to get used to but i think they're on the right track and that's not me being overly optimistic that's them if they don't screw themselves over they're on the right track uh, to at least be back in that playoff conversation that they pulled themselves from a couple weeks ago. And then closing out the season versus the Falcons and the Panthers, that could just be a poetic nail in the coffin to say, okay, we slipped up, we gave our season up for a second, but then we reeled it back in because they should really take it home to the Falcons on home territory at Mercedes Stadium or whatever they call themselves. And then the Panthers should have never had a, right. a chance um, to breathe versus this team. So there should be two outlandish wins for the Bucks to close out the season before hitting into the postseason. I think you hit the nail on the head with the fact that this was like the first time the offense, defense, and special teams all played complementary football. And they all played for four quarters. You know, in the past with the Locker. struggles, we, we've seen the offense, <laughs> you know, have multiple three and outs and it tires out the defense. And then we've seen the defense, like even that Rams game, mm -hmm. Cooper Cup, springs free on one play and has the big touchdown. And it's like, you see that you yeah. see the cracks in the surface of the defense multiple times, but they kept it all together. And then I think the most telling thing, the most important thing was late in that game when the bucks got the ball with about three and a half minutes left or whatever it was. And they never gave the ball back. They converted yes. first downs. They ran the ball and Rashad white closed it they out. They managed so, so well. Yeah, they absolutely did. Which I think was, so important because they easily could have just gone three and out or one mm -hmm. first down and not sustain a long drive and give it right back to Seattle. And let's face it. They had a little bit of the momentum in the second half. Maybe it was because the, uh, you know, the crazy Leonard Fournette interception or whatever <laughs> it was, but the momentum was on the side of Seattle, but the mm -hmm. Bucks did a good enough job of sustaining a big enough lead. And then you look, you know, going ahead, this schedule's not easy down mm -hmm. the stretch. Like sure. Playing against Cleveland this week should be a win. And then the tail end of it, as you mentioned, Atlanta and Carolina or whichever way it goes, um, should be winnable games. But in between that, they go to the West Coast a bunch of times. And yeah. San Fran, I don't care what their record is right now. Like, that's a talented football team. That's mm -hmm. not easy to go out West. The Christmas game against the Cardinals, sure, should be a winnable game. But they got DeAndre Hopkins back. And, you know, we'll see if they Big can turn it around. Team. Yeah. And they play against the Bengals, too, who obviously went to the Super Bowl last season and seemed to mm -hmm. 
be another team that struggled at the beginning of the year like the Bucs, but are putting it together now. So it is by no means a walk in the park for the rest of the season, and it's right. just a, a matter of can they take the next step forward, or was that just a flash in the pan? Hey, they won two in a row, and then they're just back to – Back to the old me. Back to the, oh, yeah. I would hope <laughs> not. That would be devastating. Absolutely devastating. But, I mean, the the other key part about this part of the season, too, is them getting players back at the right time and people getting yes. healthy at the right time. So, hopefully, whatever has been plaguing Julio Jones is officially behind him, at least putting him at 70% to finish the season and help this team. But the other thing would be, you know, it's Thanksgiving this week, guys, which, by the way, happy Thanksgiving, everyone, if I don't get a chance to say that to uh, all the Peter fans, but Thanksgiving was the timeline to maybe start seeing glimmers of Ryan Jensen. If Ryan Jensen comes in, that's going to change the whole caliber of this offensive line in many ways. Uh, too many people aren't very psyched about Luke Gattachy coming back, but still, as long as they have that backup option, and I think that they're smart enough to hopefully leave Leverett where he's at because of the progress that's been made since then, that's something. And then more importantly, going up against the passing attack teams that they will in the last leg of the season, having a guy like Logan Ryan potentially return is going to be significant for them because we saw what happens when the defense gets back into their comfortable roles. It's a very versatile defense in my opinion, but you could tell that people's skill sets really thrive within the role that they know how to play or that they've played majority of their career and whatnot. So Akeem Hicks, we already know what he does for this team. He helps stop the run and he is a key part of that because the run stopped completely fell apart when he went out with his foot injury. Logan Ryan coming in helps Anton Winfield Jr. readjust and be a playmaker in a whole different aspect. And then Logan Ryan, guys, was the only guy getting turnovers on this freaking roster. So, hello, going against <laughs> passing attack teams and then having the guy that actually knows how to turn the ball over would be so huge. So I think that they're doing everything at the right time to still have a chance and at least get back in a better conversation of being a team worth watching versus what we saw a couple of weeks ago, but I think a huge part of that was just, they had to get the drama behind them. It had to stop being the Tom Brady show. Everyone needed to step into their role on that team. And the leaders needed to get back in the right frame of mind. Logan Ryan is the one for me. If he comes back for everything that you said, you know, finally he was the one that was getting the splash plays and the bucks haven't gotten turnovers recently. They had no. the one force fumble against the Seahawks. Maybe you being there, internationally was part of the good luck charm <laughs> i mean you've been to the home games too but uh you know going international pace is a whole different beast yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was uh, running around with a flashy blazer and doc martens <laughs> i felt home in germany blinded blinded their eyes uh with the, the sparkles coming off the jacket which uh <laughs> I know. but yeah having logan ryan in there i think changes a lot it allows antoine winfield jr to be the the slot corner and just using mm -hmm. Winfield's versatility in general, I think, is super important. So he's the number one guy that I want to see come back. Gedeke should be on the bench. Will the Bucks commit to that? I don't necessarily know. And Russell Gage, if they get something out of him, I mean, we saw a fully healthy Julio actually mm -hmm. made a difference. I think a fully healthy Russell Gage can do uh, the same exact thing. Casey, I know you're very busy, so I imagine you have to go. Um, <laughs> it's about that time to get ready for some lightning. It, yeah, it is about that time, but a happy Thanksgiving to you as well. I'll be talking to you, but uh, yeah. thank you. Thank you for joining the show. I know you're uh, extremely busy, and uh, you mentioned Thanksgiving, of course. You know, that's when a lot of people get together with their families, and uh, they're watching football, and it's it's a good time to drink beer, too. Um, and, of course, if you're going to be drinking beer, you should be drinking uh, Pirate Republic 
which of course is the uh, official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. We love Pirate Republic, and thanks again to Casey for joining the show today. Uh, Pirate Republic, a lot of great different flavors, uh, as you see on the screen there. Uh, they're the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, based out of Nassau, Bahamas. Uh, Pirate Republic is now invading Florida just in time for football season. Beer brings people together to celebrate life. That means celebrating life in the spirit of the original Pirate Code, a sense of belonging. Pirate Republic is a community of people living life on their terms. The Long John Pilsner is perfect for tailgating or having fun at the beach in the Florida sun. The Take No Quarter is the best IPA that you'll drink. You can also drop an orange slice in the Golden Haze Piracy Belgium with beer and enjoy that pirate life. Pirate Public Beer is available at participating retailers like Total Wine and more, Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC liquor stores. That's where I get my Pirate Republic in the greater Tampa Bay area. And they're expanding across the state of Florida, which, of course, is a fantastic thing. So live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic Beer. All right. Thanks again to Casey for joining the show. We are now going to get into the player grades or position grades, I should say, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, if we went through every single individual player, we'd be here for a while. We can talk about a couple of players um, if we want to get that going in the chat. Of course, first, we're going to talk about this man, the GOAT, Tom Brady. And, you know, I'll give my grades for every position or player in this case. Uh, but feel free to give your grade at each position as well. Uh, maybe we agree on a lot of it. Maybe we disagree, but we'll have my score and we'll have a fan score as well. So Tom Brady, obviously the leader of this team has had a tumultuous, tumultuous year. Uh, a lot of it being on the uh, outside the, uh, the field of play, I guess I should say uh, we don't have to rehash everything that went on. I uh, do appreciate everyone in the comments now giving your thoughts. Um, G Vegas gives a B minus L I three or L I E uh, gives it a, a B all talk all the time gives a B football fan gives a C plus. I was actually going to go with a B for Tom Brady um, and, and it has nothing to do with, listen, I, I think Tom Brady is fully committed. I think, he hasn't lost a step in terms of like arm strength and, and ability and all of those things. I just think right now this season and listen, the whole team has been struggling at one point or another. It, it's not just Tom Brady, like Byron Leftwich obviously has struggled. We talked about him a ton, the offensive line, which we'll get to uh, in just a minute, but Brady being the quarterback of this team, being a leader, sometimes you have to elevate the players around you on the field. I still think he's an ultimate motivator when he's not on, uh, you know, when he's in the locker room and everything like that. But I think look at example, Patrick Mahomes, they lose Tyreek Hill. He's still getting uh, Travis Kelsey, the ball even more than he ever has. Um, you know, a lot of the other receivers have stepped up and he's made them better players. And obviously Mahomes is much younger, way more athletic than Tom Brady at, at this point, or probably ever. But Brady, I just think there's been times, you know, you, you look at that Thursday night game, he missed some throws, the touchdown to, you know, Kyle Rudolph. So there's been times where Brady hasn't been the most accurate, and I don't think he fully trusts his offensive line. I mean, you can trust him to get the ball out fairly quickly, which, which is super important. But I think a lot of the times you see him throw the ball in the dirt or be a little inaccurate. A lot of it has to do with 
either the pass rush being in his face, which I guess isn't totally his fault, or just preparing for the pass rush so he gets rid of it quickly or just dumps it off instead of, you know, going for the big play down the field. And that's one thing that's really been missing is the chunk plays for the Bucks, And luckily they were able to do that in Germany. So hopefully they're on the right path. Now on the flip side, I don't want to be bashing Tom Brady because I also gave him a B. So I still think, you know, his, his placement of the football overall, he still puts the ball in spots where no one else can get it, but his receiver, he's still got the arm strength. He's thrown for 2,805 yards on the season. That puts him third or fourth highest in the league. He's thrown 12 touchdowns to two interceptions. So his touchdown to interception ratio is um, is is really good. And sure, you can argue that he's had some balls that have been very interceptable, that, that were drops. And that's absolutely true. But still, when you have a difference of plus 10, that's pretty good. I still think Brady does a great job of just again like i said putting the ball in spots where like no one else can really get it and if he keeps doing that moving forward i have full confidence in this team uh being able to get the job done and done and let's face it a lot of the times when the bucks have been most successful is when they've been in you know two minute drills and that's mostly brady calling the play at the line of scrimmage late in the game against the rams it was brady that made the call that got the ball to uh, Kate Otten to win the game. So I, I think Brady deserves that credit. He hasn't been perfect, but when he makes those big plays to really help out the team, I think we have to point that out. So that's why I give Tom a B for uh, this grade. And uh, you guys had B, C plus. So we're kind of a similar in, in those aspects. Uh, TB12 Goatman says, I agree with the B. So we're going to go with a B for Tom Brady, and we'll say B for the fan vote as well, because there's a couple Bs, a B minus, and, and a C plus. So um, as Tom here says, not Tom Brady, but Tom, an avid commenter and uh, participant in the chat says, when it comes to play action, Tommy Boy is an A plus. That's true. He really likes to to sell the play action, which, of course, we all love to see, and we want to see the Bucks run more of it so the next position of course is the running back position you see Rashad White on your screen here if you're watching on YouTube please like and subscribe to the Peter Report podcast and Leonard Fournette so again we got to look at the entire season not just have recency bias Uh, but when you're talking about the running back position we're pretty much just going to discuss Leonard Fournette and Rashad White Uh, we talk about Giovanni Bernard he's coming back after being out for the last, what, eight weeks? He hasn't played since week two. They designated him to uh, come off of the IR. We'll see when exactly he does that. But I think he's just going to be a death piece. And Keyshawn Vaughn has four rushing attempts. So it's really all about Lenny and Rashad White. Now, Lenny has 462 yards. He's averaging 3.4 yards per rushing attempt and has three touchdowns um, on the season. His only 100-yard rushing game happened in week one against the Dallas Cowboys. And, um, you know, he's really struggled at times. And that's why Rashad, uh, Rashad White has cut into his playing time. And that's why we've seen Lenny get, you know, really angry in, in recent weeks. And he he ran angry in that Germany game and actually averaged four yards per rushing attempt for only the third time uh, this season. So getting some... 
comments here. Sean says C for running back. TB12 Goatman says C minus. Football fan gives a D. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Kel's talking about the offensive line. Hard to grade because of the O-line play, but Lenny is a C. Rashad White is a B, in my opinion. Yeah, so Rashad White, he has 222 rushing yards on the season. Again, his big game being the Germany game where he ran 22 times for 105 yards. He also has one touchdown on the season. He comes out to an average of 3.7. Rashad White is very much trending upwards, and hopefully he becomes the starter or they at least go with a, a 50-50 percentage of the snaps for uh, the Bucs. And uh, Rashad White, he's electric. He is um, he's a player that can break tackles. He's elusive, which I think is really important, where Lenny is a little bit more of that barrel you over type of guy. He's just going to lay his shoulder into you and, um, you know, try to just out physical you. And this is where the whole Byron Leftwich thing comes into play as well, because Lenny has just not been able to convert on third and one third and two, like that type of thing. And Rashad white has, and is it because Lenny kind of tap toes in the backfield before he hits the hole? Is it because his vision is just off? Is it because Byron Leftwich calls a play that, calls for you know nine defenders to be in the box just based on the formation there's a lot that goes into it so i think if you take the you know the the poor play of leonard fournette but you add in the 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 positive play of rashad white and the fact that lenny actually played well in the germany game you know he had 40 rushing yards he had a touchdown he looked a lot better um i'm gonna give the running back room a c because again you have, you have to look at the entire roster, or the entire season, I should say. You can't just look at, oh, hey, Rashad White played well in the Germany game. So they're definitely trending in the right direction, and that's a, a really important thing. But as it stands, if you look at the whole season, it's really just been... Actually, I'm going to give a C-. minus. I'm going to give a C- minus because, I mean, they were just... Yeah, you're right, supply and demand. Uh, how how you'll give in the worst run game in the league C's F minus. I'm not going to give it an F minus, but yeah, I, I'm lowering my grade to a C minus. Uh, the run game is historically almost one of the worst in the league. They're second worst in the NFL. And really only by having a, a great running game against the Seahawks is how they were able to, you know, go back into it. Uh, Yi Jingping here says, Matt, you respond on with the running back situation. 100% what I'm seeing. I appreciate that you agree with me. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the C- minus at running back, and uh, a C is the fan vote that we're going with. So the next position that we will go to is wide receiver, which, again, tough one to judge right now because they are trending upwards. You know, Julio Jones had a very good game. Uh, Chris Godwin had his best game of the season, and – you know, Mike Evans has been balling out once again. He's on the right trajectory to once again get a thousand yards on the season. But if you look at the wide receivers in an entire microcosm for the whole season, it's really been Mike Evans sprinkled in with the little Chris Godwin, and that's about it. You know, Julio Jones has missed a lot of games. Russell Gage, we talked about, he's missed the last three, I believe. And Russell Gage, there just hasn't been the splash place. Julio Jones can't stay healthy but he finally got healthy 
and was able to do some damage in that last game, scoring a touchdown uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. I think the real factor here is Chris Godwin, because if he continues to play like he has against the Seahawks, this wide receiver group, and really this offense is just going to be explosive once again, but we haven't totally seen it from Chris Godwin. He's getting a lot that this is the problem with the Bucks offense right now. And the wide receivers is they're like Chris Godwin. You look at a lot of his stat lines and he's making seven or eight catches per game, but they're for like 40 yards. They force fed him the ball in the screen game, which, you know, Chris Godwin, when healthy is able to break a lot of tackles and he can move the ball down the field. He's almost more effective when he has the ball in his hands, but they've been force feeding him with these screens. So his average yards per reception are, are much further down than they've like really been in his career. So I think outside of Mike Evans, you know, where can you really say, Hey, I like this with the bucks offense Rashad Perryman had the one touchdown catch against the saints. Uh, Scotty Miller came alive a little bit in the Rams game, but outside of that, it's really just been a lot of Mike Evans. Last game, you're trending in the right direction. So I I like where the receiver group can go. We just have to see it more consistently. And if we get a, a Rams game or a Rams performance, sorry, no, a Seahawks performance from Chris Goblin for the rest of the season, and that's the production that Julio Jones will bring, then this grade is going to go up. But right now, I think I got to give it like a C plus. I just... It's been Mike Evans, and that's about it. And I, I fully understand that, you know, I, I fully understand Chris Godwin is hurt. Russell Gage has been hurt. Julio can't stay healthy, but it's not that's not going to, to help the team. I, I think they're they're trending in the right direction, which is super important. But again, they have to do it for, for more than just one game. So I'm going to give a C plus, be a little generous there. Um, but... I'm optimistic that they can bump that all the way up to like a B plus when the season is all said and done. Obviously a lot of people talking about Scott, Scotty Miller less here says Miller needs to learn to catch the ball with his hands. If he can. Yeah. I mean, there was no excuse for the ball going off his face mask in the game against the Rams and then they ended up winning. So it was all right, but yeah, that ha- that has to change moving forward. Then there was the jumping catch that he made in Germany where he had a walk in touchdown, but he just could not, he, he he couldn't get up after making the catch. At least he caught it, which was important. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if Scotty can still be a factor because Scotty, what he did in the Rams game and the Seahawks game, just from a production standpoint, if he if he provides that on a consistent basis, that that's house money for the Bucks because they're not really expecting much from Scotty Miller this season, especially when he's a fourth or fifth wide receiver with all the other names that we just mentioned. So to get anything from him is really a bonus. And we'll see if that's the case moving forward, moving on. Now the tight end position trending once again, in the right direction. A lot of this is Kate Otten, the rookie. I don't want to say sensation. It's a little bit early to say uh, our rookie sensation, but definitely uh, a guy that has picked up his game in the past couple of weeks. We have a YouTube video on Kate Otten out. We have uh, a couple of stories on him as well. So check out Pewter Report TV. Check out uh, pewterreport.com to see those stories on Kate Otten. But obviously, he was the hero in the Rams game. Um, he's been making plays, making 
key clutch catches, which is super important. Cam Bray, I think the jury's kind of out on him. You know, he just came back last game. Uh, he had a concussion. He had a neck injury. So I will say, because tight end position, you're kind of going back and forth between receiving and blocking. And I'm curious to see what your guys' grades will be for the tight end position. But K-Dot, what I like is that he's a willing and active blocker. Um, he's actually better when he like is asked to pull than if he, you know, if he's um then if he has to block a guy like one-on-one. So he's better in that type of situation. He's shown that he has prowess as, as a receiver. Cam Brait, steady Eddie as always when he's in the game. You like to see him make a couple of more catches like early on in the season before he got hurt. Cole Keeft, obviously a cult hero. Everyone likes him. Solid blocker as, you know, as a fullback. And Kyle Rudolph, you know, when he's played, he gets like nine snaps per game. So I'm not going to really credit too much that Kyle Rudolph is, is, is doing for this team. I'm going to give the tight ends a, I either want to do a B plus or a B, but I'm going to stick with B for now because I still think that there's room for improvement for the tight end position. Uh, TB12 Goatman says C minus, but going up if they decide to stop giving Brait snaps over on. That's also true. K Nodden only outsnapped Cam Brait in his return by about 12 snaps or something along those lines. Football fan says tight end is definitely a B plus. Supply and demand tight end is a C minus since they are rookies, but there were better tight ends in the draft. Yeah, Dolchich comes to mind from UCLA. Trey McBride, we all loved, and he's going to get an opportunity uh, tonight, actually, because the Cardinals' other tight end, Zach Ertz, is out for the rest of the season, unfortunately, but it will give us more of a look for Trey McBride, which uh, will be pretty exciting to see. And, you know, if you're watching that game tonight, and these are two opponents that the Bucs are playing down the stretch. So exciting if you're a Bucs fan, learn a little bit more about the the team that's on your schedule. Um, it's also exciting if you want to put a little money on it, maybe uh, make some picks on Underdog Fantasy, which I know I'll be doing. Big fan of underdog fantasy and what they do. It's the easiest way to get some action on the NFL with their pick them game, their rivals game too. You just pick an over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick them slip. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cast. Use the co promo code pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, Get your first deposit doubled up to $100 with Underdog Fantasy. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that is a really damn good deal. So once again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, and double your first deposit. And uh, I'll put out my picks later tonight when uh, we go through our picks when the Bucks go and play, or not the Bucks, the uh, the Niners play the Cardinals. I believe that game's in Mexico City, if I'm not mistaken. So that's pretty cool there. And we will move on to the offensive line, which of course has reared its ugly head this season. Now, 
They were behind the eight ball from the start because Ryan Jensen suffered a knee injury on the first day of training camp. And unfortunately that already put Robert Hainsey at center. I actually do think Hainsey on just an individual level has done an okay job. I, I don't think like he's the reason that the Bucks offense has been struggling this year, but obviously anytime that you don't have Ryan Jensen in there and you're going with the second year player that was making his first career start at that position, moving over from guard, um, there's going to be a downgrade. It's just, that's just the nature of the beast. When Ryan Jensen is without question, your, you know, best interior offensive lineman. And you got to remember as well, that took Hainsey out of the competition for left guard that was vacated when Ali Marpet retired. So that made it a three-man race or a four-man ra- race between Hainsey, Nick Leverett, Luke Gedeke, and Aaron Stinney. That made it a three-man race. And then when Aaron Stinney got injured in the preseason game against the Colts, that put him out of the running. So essentially it went from a four-player competition to a two-player competition almost immediately. And Luke Gedeke won that job and struggled heavily. I don't think we need to go into all of the details. It just, it has not been good. So Nick Leverett came in and salvaged it just a little bit. Um, also, the Bucks were replacing right guard as well. They traded for Shaq Mason. Alex Kappa, Kappa left in free agency. So you had three new starters at the interior offensive line position. And it took a while for the you know the chemistry to really build. The only two known commodities that you had on the offensive line was Tristan Warfs, who's still playing at an all-time level. Um, you know, he's future Hall of Famer, future Bucks Ring of Honor on this trajectory that he's playing at. Probably gonna win all pro again this season in just his third year. So it'll be uh, two years in a row where he's winning an all pro. And then Donovan Smith got hurt in the first game of the season, so Brandon Walton had to play. So and Smith came back and credit to him for coming back, but you know, he struggled a little bit. I think he picked it up last game uh, against Seattle, but there were some ups and downs with Donovan Smith this season too. So given the debacle with Luke Gedeke, uh, the, the terrible run game that the bucks had, that some of the blame has to go to the offensive line and Tom Brady, just not trusting the offensive line either. I got to go with the D for the Bucks' offensive line. It's just, it hasn't, it hasn't been up to expectations, you know? And I understand Ryan Jensen isn't, isn't in there, and I wasn't expecting the Bucks' offensive line to automatically turn into the Super Bowl-winning offensive line from two seasons ago, but it needs to be way better than, uh, you know, what it's been. So... Uh, let's see. Spunky boy here says O-line is a D outside of the last game. They have been absolute trash. Les is changing his grade to D. <laughs> Kels 808 says, please, dear Lord, keep Leverett in for now. Uh, Sean here says D minus for offensive line, mainly Worfs and Mason saving them from an F. <laughs> uh, G Vegas here. Werfs is the honor roll student in a bad group project assignment. That might be the comment of the day uh, right there. Geist 85 giving the offensive line a D plus. It hasn't been great for the Bucks offensive line. Can they improve? Absolutely. You saw some improvements 
their last game. And one of those things obviously would have to be sticking with Nick Leverett as your starting offensive guard, your starting left guard, I should say. So uh, now we're going to move to the defensive side of the ball. But first, let's hear a message from our friends at Age Rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Look better, feel better, have better sex using Age Rejuvenation. They have testosterone therapy, peptide therapy, and uh, stem cell therapy as well. John Gilmore on the Peter Report Tailgate Show and, of course, Scott Reynolds. They both speak very highly of it. They are not just uh, spokesmen. They are clients as well. So head on over to agerejuvenation.com. See how age rejuvenation can help you. So next up is the defensive line for the Bucks. It's been a pretty chaotic year for the Bucks defensive line. I appreciate Spunky Boy here saying this is a great podcast. Yeah, if you like it, uh, give it a give it a thumbs up and subscribe to Peter Report TV. And Les here saying uh, it's the best ever, which. That's what I try to go for, whether we have three people on the show, if it's just myself um, or Casey joining in as well. We try to make the best show ever. But like I was saying with the Bucks defensive line, it's been chaotic this year because ever since Todd Bowles has been here, the Bucks have been all about starting, uh, stopping the run. And that starts and ends with the defensive line and the linebackers too. But you think of the defensive line first. So the Bucs have done a terrible, terrible job stopping the run. Now, they cleaned it up against Seattle, but before that, it has just been abysmal. I mean, they're allowing 150-plus yards left and right all over the place, you know, and to, to bad teams, to good teams. You know, that Ravens game, they allowed over 200 yards in just the second half, which is, you know, really frustrating to see. And, you know, Vita Vea shouldered some blame of that. You know, he's, he had been inconsistent, but he's really turned it on as well. You know, he has six and a half sacks on the season. He's leading the Bucks in the sack department. When they got Akeem Hicks back, he's been a huge upgrade for this team. Um, on the flip side, you know, Nacho has been a little inconsistent. You know, he's been exposed for why he's just, uh, you know, a backup defensive lineman. Will Golston not seeing as much of the same explosiveness that we saw from uh, a season ago. Deidre Sinat had a nice moment. And Logan Hall was is a player that we're obviously all very high on. He was really solid to begin the year. Had two sacks, had some good pressures, but he's fallen off the last couple of weeks. Some of that isn't his fault. He just isn't really getting a lot of playing time. That's with Hicks being back uh logan hall is taking a hit because of it and we haven't seen the the that pressure the the splash plays that we've all kind of wanted to see in recent weeks so this is a tough one to call because there's a lot of struggles in the run game there's been 
uh, good pressure from Vita Vea specifically for the defensive line and some optimism with the good start of Logan Hall, but where has it been the last couple of weeks? I'm going to give a C plus for the Bucks defensive line. When you factor in the fact that Vita Vea is getting after the, the quarterback and, but also acknowledge the fact that stopping the run. If they play like they did the last two games, this would be an A, but we have to look at the entire season at this point with the Bucs and their five and five records. So going with C plus for the defensive line, the next position we shall talk about is outside linebacker, which I don't think has played up to their potential this season. Uh, myself included, I was very excited about what Joe Tryon Shanka could do this year. You know, Anthony Nelson was in a contract year and Shaq Barrett being Shaq Barrett. I thought they were going to absolutely eat this year. And that just, you know, hasn't really been the case for the Bucks. You know, Joe Tronchenka is coming on as of late. He had a sack in the Germany game. He probably should have had a sack the week before against the Rams, but that was negated by a penalty. Um, so JTS is bringing it together however you know Shaq Barrett it's a, it's unfortunate that he's injured it's it's upsetting that he's going to be out for the rest of the year with the torn Achilles I hope he has a really speedy recovery he was looking great in that Ravens game uh, up until that though Shaq had two sacks in the Saints game and wasn't really getting after the quarterback he's done a couple things good He's obviously out for the rest of the season, so I don't think we need to harp on him a ton. But this is a huge opportunity for Anthony Nelson, Jannard Avery, and who am I missing? Oh, Carl Nassib as well, you know, all picking up the slack. We saw it on the, the snaps of the players last game where it's really been JTS on one side and then kind of a, a trio of a combination on the other side. And, you know, Nelson and Carl Nassib, they both, have at least two sacks on the season, which is which is a good sign. Nelson can be opp opportunistic at times with a fumble recovery, which I think is good to see. Jannard Avery got to line up on the right side, man. He tries to do the Shaq Barrett, you know, jump in the snap. So it's going to be outside linebacker by committee. There's some things I like. There's other things that I haven't necessarily loved about the outside linebacker position. They haven't totally gotten to the quarterback like many of us have thought. JTS is on the right track. So I'm going to give, I'm going to give uh, outside linebacker a C. Next up is sure to be a very contentious position. Of course, we're going to talk about linebacker, inside linebacker, specifically Levante David and Devin White. Let's start with Levante David because I think we can kind of get this out of the way pretty quickly. Levante is not the same Levante David that he was two or three years ago. But with that said, Levante knows his assignment. He is as solid as they come. He makes a ton of tackles. He makes up for a lot of inefficiencies of other players. Um, we're just not seeing the overall splash plays that we've gotten from Levante David in the past. And I, I think that's just going to be how it is for 
the rest of Levante's career as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And it's a long tenured Bucks career, and hopefully it'll be for longer. But he has uh, 69 combined tackles on the season and one sack, um, no interceptions. So not exactly seeing the splash plays from Levante David. Now, Devin White, on the other hand, obviously a huge point of contention for Bucks fans. He was the Bucks defensive, not the Bucs, well, he played for the Bucs, so it was for the Bucs, but to begin the year, he was the defensive player of the month for the month of September. He was fantastic flying around the field in the Cowboys game. He did really well in the Saints game. Then, you know, the, the middle of the season, you you had all the snafus and the debacles of the Saints game and the loss to the Panthers. And then obviously, that was most highlighted by the Ravens game where Devin White was accused of loafing. He missed tackles. He got driven all the way down the field. It was, you know, it was ugly at times. It was looking really bad, but then he bounced back the next two games against the Rams, and more specifically that Seahawks game where Devin White had, what do you have, uh, nine combined tackles, two sacks, and a key force fumble when the Seahawks were uh, in range to try to score some points against the Bucs. So he responded to the criticism. He really shut everyone up, including PewterReport.com, who was very critical uh, of the way that he's played. But he's got 76 tackles on the season, two forced fumbles, and five sacks. So that's the other thing is he's getting back to getting after the quarterback. His speed is one of his best traits. He can track down anyone in this league. And when he finds his way to the quarterback, good things usually happen. And, of course, um, you know, he played with a heavy heart in that game against the Seahawks after the passing of his father and had one of the best games of the season. So. Devin White has been up and down. He was the defensive player of the week last week for his performance. Again, that was nine tackles, two sacks, and a forced fumble. I'm curious what people are going to give a grade for here because, again, Levante's been solid the whole time, and Devin has been great, and he's been bad, and then he was great again, or terrific, I should say. So this is a tough one to call a little bit. I'm leaning towards either a B or B plus. I kind of wish there was one in between. Let us know what uh, you you have in the chat. G Vegas says B minus. If White was consistent, it would be an A group. Yeah, I agree there. If that if you got the the Devin that played last week, it would be a B. Uh, B and A. Sorry, I'm reading a lot of letters here, and reading's hard. Uh, Grace Point Living Room Fellowship says inside linebackers are a C. So a couple of different opinions there. As Les says, Devin came through against the Hawks, B grade. I agree with Les. I'm going to give the linebacker group a B. Have a couple of more positions to go. We're going over today, but you know what? That's fine. I appreciate everyone watching this show today the next position that we will be talking about is cornerback which has been anchored by one man specifically and that is Jamel Dean Dean obviously is in a contract year he's playing for that second contract and I think he's done 
a fast, fantastic job out there. He's technically your second cornerback, but you can make the case that he could be CB1. Uh, Carlton Davis missed a couple of games, but Jamel Dean has held the fort down. He's done a fantastic job. I think Carlton Davis is still your lockdown corner when he's available. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting got beat a little bit in the Seahawks game, but he also had an interception against Patrick Mahomes. I'm not going to knock him too much for having one bad game. Antoine Winfield Jr., I guess, can be uh, used as the corner position, too. I know he's a safety, but he's been playing in the slot a lot. I love what I've seen from the corners. The only guy that struggled is Zion McCollum, and that's going to happen when you have a, what, a fourth, fifth round cornerback thrown into a starting position with everyone else hurt. So I'm tempted, really, to... I'm tempted to give the the cornerback room. I mean, if you if you look at it specifically at just at just corner with Carlton and Jamel Dean, I think it's an A. So I'm gonna give them an A for just really the job that Jamel Dean has done and, and Carlton Davis as well. G Vegas says B plus. Dean has been playing really great, and Davis has limited opposing wide receivers. Next up, the safety position. Of course, Antoine Winfield Jr. himself is an A. Mike Edwards in the mix as well. Logan Ryan, super important when he's played. You have Keanu Neal in there as well. I think Keanu Neal is going to bring it down a a little bit uh, because he's kind of been inconsistent. Haven't loved the way that he's played. Mike Edwards, you know, there's that miscommunication on the big play to, um, to Cooper Cup against the Rams. Mike Edwards is known as a ball hawk. He had that 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 pick six, but the secondary hasn't been getting turnovers. You know, they've been very few and far between. So with the great play of Antoine Winfield Jr. and Logan Ryan, with the mishaps of Keanu Neal and Mike Edwards kind of in the middle, I'm going to give the safety position a B plus uh, because I love Antoine Winfield Jr. I love Logan Ryan. They need to get they need to take the ball away though. If they could take the ball away, I would say an A, but and I guess that goes to the safe, the cornerbacks as well, but they haven't really been able to, to take the ball away. And overall, this is a really talented defense, but if you're not getting turnovers, you can't be considered the best defense possible. So I'm going to go with a B plus for the Bucks safeties. And um, as we round out this grades that I'm giving for all the roster, Another thing that's round is a bowling ball. And if you're going to go bowling, you best be doing it at Pin Chasers. They have multiple locations, including one pretty close to the Advent Health Training Center where the Bucks practice on a daily basis, including today. Um, it's a great night out with friends and family. You can book your kid's birthday party there because uh, they also have an arcade room so the kids can bowl and play some video games. The food is very underrated from the pizza to the chicken tendies and the nachos as well. They have deals all the time, whether it's all you could eat pizza, all you can bowl dollar beers. They got brunch on the weekend. So check out pinchasers.net. Start uh, reserving a lane or booking a party and book your holiday party. You know, Thanksgiving is this Thursday. The other holidays come up in mid to late December. So start booking your holiday party because they, uh, they catch up to you pretty quick, so you want to be ahead of that. So check out pinchasers.net for all the great deals 
that they have. So we've essentially done the offense and defense, but we have two other positions to talk about. That, of course, is kicker and punter. G Vegas, we're on the same page right now. Um, I fully agree. Ryan Suckup has been fantastic. You know, he missed one kick in week one, and he had another kick that was blocked, and then he missed one in Germany. But Ryan Suckup has been pretty much as automatic as you can possibly be. Jake Camarda, I'm going to give him an A. He's been great the past couple of weeks, but I, again, when you take in the whole season – it took him a while to build up to it, but I'm going to give him an A just for the fact that he's been fantastic the last couple of games. He won special teams player of the week, which is super important. The return game hasn't really, haven't seen much. You know, Jalen Darden, he's starting to actually not use the sidelines and try to head up the field, which is his average is way better than anyone will ever give him credit for. And, so I'm just going to give the return game a C. I don't think the return game has been explosive. They haven't really been able to switch fields a lot and play that field position game as much as I would prefer. The kick return game, it's tough for everyone around the league unless you have Cordell Patterson on the Falcons. It's really tough for anyone to get a good kicking game, kick return game going. So I'm going to say C for that. I just think... I just think um, Darden's been solid. Not as bad as everyone puts him out to be. He's he's done an okay job. And outside of slipping and falling here and there, he hasn't done that as much this year. He did it in the Germany game, but as we learned, everyone was slipping and falling. So I'm not really going to blame Jalen Darden for what he's done this season. I, I think he's been okay. I don't think it's been great. But I don't think it's been bad. So that's why he's getting a C. And uh, C's get degrees, obviously, which is uh, which is pretty cool. As um, Will the Brewer here says, Darden has shown improvement. Edwin gives A plus on both, I believe, talking about the um, the kicker and punter. Nathan says, Matt, I type it and you are saying it. Slow down. I can only type so fast. I apologize, Nathan. Didn't mean to be going too fast. But on the flip side, we're also an hour and fourteen minutes into the show. Not complaining about that. I just uh, moving it along. And I appreciate everyone watching this show. Les says a C for the return game. At least he doesn't fumble. That is very much true. He's held on to the ball. There was that one play the Thursday night game, but I think that was more on D Delaney. That was more of the fault of D Delaney than it was Jalen Darden. He could have yelled and told him to get out of the way, but he didn't necessarily do that. And uh, that is what it is. So the return game will get a C for that one. And speaking of C, you can see us for the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show live at Walk-Ons and presented by Age Rejuvenation this Sunday when the Bucks are back in action playing on the road against the Cleveland Browns. That game is at 1 o'clock. So we'll be going live at 11 from Walk-Ons. Hope you can join us. We give a full breakdown of the entire game. And if you haven't been to walk-ons yet, it's absolutely fantastic. There's one in Midtown near me, which I go to a lot. There's one in Wesley Chapel as well, closer to Scott's area. It's partially owned by Devin White. Uh, it's all Cajun food. So if you like that type of food, they have regular bar food as well. Wings, 
things of that nature. Actually, a pretty vast menu, which is awesome. So you have a lot of great options. A lot of great beer selections, too, especially if you go for happy hour. Awesome happy hour deals. I'd also recommend going on Tuesday because they have happy hour deals for literally the entire day, not just like your typical four to seven. You can get a 22-ounce beer for the price of a regular one. So check out walk-ons when you can. And uh, check out the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show live from walk-ons and presented by Age Rejuvenation. Coming up this Sunday, we're very excited for that. Of course, we're going to break down Bucks versus Browns this week as well. With that game going on, we'll see if the Bucks can stop the run. I didn't give a coaching grade. I was going to, you know, just kind of stick to the players. But coaching grade, I mean, if you want to go by position, like Byron Leftwich gets a D. Todd Bowles, I'd give a C right now. Uh, defensively play calling, I'd probably give a B. But as a head coach, I'd say a C. I mean, losing to the teams that they lost to, but being able to bounce back hasn't been great, but those would be my coaching grades. Here are my grades again for everyone that uh, maybe tuned in late. Quarterback, I gave a B. Running back, C minus. Tight end, B. Wide receiver, C plus. Offensive line, D. Defensive line, C plus. Linebacker, inside linebacker, B. Outside linebacker, C. Cornerbacks, A safeties B plus kicker and punter a and the return game a C and a C for Todd Bowles as well supply and demand says F for all coaches I under, I understand the uh the anger with how the teams played right now uh, but we'll see if they could turn it around starting with that game against the Browns and of course a good game tonight between the 49ers and Cardinals in Mexico. That, that'll be a fun one to watch. The Bucks play both of those teams later in the season. Actually, the 49ers in, what, two weeks from now? So good one to pay attention to. to. Uh, appreciate everyone paying attention to this show. Did solo dolo for a lot of it. Casey Hudson joined me. That was a lot of fun hearing her experience going to the Bucks seahawks game in Germany and talking a little bit about what's next for Tampa Bay when they play Cle- Cleveland this week. So uh, appreciate everyone again for watching and we will see you next time for another edition of the Peter report podcast out.